Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Celtics, brought to you by Believe. As always, I'm your host, Warren Shaw. He's the great Gary Washburn. We're your host and resource for everything Boston Celtics this season and all seasons. Gary, fresh out, fresh back from Las Vegas, back in Boston. How are you, brother? Good to see you. Good, good. Good to be back in the cold, colder weather. It was a little chilly in Vegas, so I know you, you're very sympathetic. Well, you live in South Florida, so uh, you, you probably, you know, you feel my pain at, at 60-something degrees yeah. uh, in December, which when, when you're in Vegas, usually during summer league, and it's 110 Right, sixty kind of messes with your head. You're like, okay, what's going on here? Like, uh, you know, when's when when's the hot weather coming? When when is that when is that scorching desert heat coming in? But it did never happen. It was uh, it was kind of cool, but it was a a good environment in Vegas. Definitely an interesting uh, atmosphere for the in season tournament. Yeah, we'll touch on that briefly. You know, uh, obviously Boston did not make it to Vegas, uh, getting bounced by the Indiana Pacers, who did make it all the way to the uh, in season tournament final here. Um, but as always, you know, it was interesting to watch, uh, to see it on TV and see people in jackets in Vegas, as you alluded to, because usually when I go, it is during summer league time and it is John Blaze out there. So even watching people on set, you know, being in being in jackets and coats, gloves and the whole nine, I was like, ah, oh, that's a different different vibe from, L, from, from the Las Vegas standpoint. But as always, we have a lot to get into. So do our plugs really quickly. Please make sure you give Believe in Celtics a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening into it on make sure you follow uh, gary on x at g washburn globe follow me at shaw sports nba and follow believe at believe or at believe network or believe sports so gary going circling right back into that great conversation there about the in-season tournament the product was interesting and, and kind of fun to watch even from this from the fan standpoint or from my standpoint you know at home just give us a little taste of the vibe in the arena uh obviously lebron took it very very seriously and, and the lakers actually were, were actually able to capture the uh, the nba cup here in the inaugural season of this situation but give us a little bit more about the vibe that you saw out there yeah it was an interesting vibe like the the biggest comparison since you're in vegas is probably to compare it to more like summer league right because you're not every every game you're going to uh is home and road right uh you know any game that you cover in the league, unless if, let's say you go over to Europe and one of those games or Mexico City or something like that, you're talking about home and road, except summer league, um, where you you have contingents, but you but nothing's official. So this was kind of similar to that, you know, like the the first game of the day, Thursday, 2 p.m. local start uh, was Milwaukee and Indiana, and that was really surreal because you know. The announcer, you, you, you kind of take for granted the environment on a regular NBA game. You know, when the home team scores, the announcer is giving his best, you know, right. you know um, description, LeBron, James, you know. But when he's doing it for both teams or she's doing it for both teams, it's kind of surreal, right? It's, it's very much a summer league feel. Yeah. Um, and then the crowd – Maybe a tip. It was fifty percent full in T-Mobile Arena. Uh, at the tip, seventy-five percent by the time the game ended, and it seemed like um, there was more fans rooting for like Giannis, like they were rooting for individual players. And then once the game got interesting, and 
you know, Indiana led by, I think, 12 at halftime. The Bucks had a big third quarter surge, took control, led by seven or eight. Indiana rallies late third, early fourth, and starts taking control. Like, the fans got into it then. They started cheering more for Halliburton because Halliburton had a couple of big plays. And so it was an interesting atmosphere because it wasn't, you know, there was no defense chance. It was nothing like that. It was more just kind of a, you know, a neutral, what you would expect. Like a in, people say the NCAA tournament, I would probably think that would be it. You know, but at least in NCAA tournament games, you know, you know, it's kind of, you know, you, you, you've you seen this, like, it's one of those teams, it's like VCU against, you know, uh, you know, Creighton, where it's like no real team has a contingent, you know, yeah. and then at nighttime, when Duke and North Carolina play, then all of a sudden half Duke, you know, all the, the big fans, all the fans show for that. But this one was more like the, the early day game where, you know, you just didn't have a contingent. So it was a good atmosphere, but it was, it was kind of surreal. The Lakers... Pelicans game was more of a home road, but the Pelicans played so poorly um, yeah, that it, was just, dead. <laughs> yeah, it, took the, it took the starch yeah. out of, and then LeBron only, you know, because the game is so poor, during this play so poorly, LeBron plays only 22 minutes. So you don't get a whole full 35 minute, 38 minute LeBron experience. So that turned in, to kind of a garbage time pickup game in the second half where it's like, okay, let's hope no one gets hurt because the, it was obvious during the third quarter, the Pelicans weren't going to compete. So um, good atmosphere, the championship game, a little bit more of a, of a good atmosphere, uh, you know, but I just think, you know, it's one of those things, Warren, the casual fan still isn't familiar with the Indiana Pacers. So if you had had Giannis against LeBron, then I think you would have had some real, you know, fans going at it and interested in both teams. Um, instead, you had Halliburton, who didn't do all that much in terms of like, you know, he had a couple of couple of moments, but the defense for the Lakers really kind of held him in check. So it became kind of like the Lakers guys against, oh, yeah, whoever they're playing, you know, we're going to root against them. So it, it was a good atmosphere, but when you have a small market team in there without a lot of, without with, with essentially one all-star, um, the neutral crowd, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. You don't have that raucous atmosphere. Las Vegas is typically an LA crowd um, in, yes. in general. So, you know, with the Lakers being there, I'm sure of that, but it was interesting that, that you said from the, from the first game though, it wasn't all the way full. So by the time fast forward all the way to the championship game, did they have everybody? Was it was it a sold yeah, out? Yeah, I'd say 90%. It wasn't like where you looked and didn't see open seats. No, no, no. I mean, there were a couple of sprinkled here and there. Now, it mm. might have been a sellout officially announced and that maybe people just stayed in the one of the you know bars or areas where they didn't even occupy the, the seats. But it, I would say 90% full. It was not absolutely, you know, every seat taken like you you would think for a a championship type wow. uh game. It was I said 90% full. I'm not going to you know nothing less than that. 90 not, you could say 93 94 maybe, but it was not completely completely every seat full. But so, then again, was, many it, many games aren't, you know, but are listed as sellouts. No, no, I hear you, but it wasn't like Vegas, right? It wasn't like Webanyama's, you know, debut where no, it, it was just 
bursting at the seams. Yeah, it wasn't absolutely a nutso kind of uh, atmosphere, but it was like a you know good Saturday evening game, five thirty yeah. local start, and then it was an entertaining game pretty much until like the last four minutes where kind of Indiana kind of ran out of gas and you know, um, and but it was a good crowd and I said a good atmosphere and I think. You know, the NBA fans, Warren, will just have to get used to this and 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 figure out how to approach it. I think next year will probably be a little bit better. Um, and as I've I've read, I wrote in the Globe, um, that two o'clock start might not change. People, oh, it's, a little, it's early. It is early. But the one thing uh, Commissioner Silver mentioned that fans in Europe got to watch that game live without it being in the middle of the night. So. Good point. You're talking about 5 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. I think it's a six-hour difference in, in uh, most of Europe. So that game started at 11 p.m. So it was a decent hour. It wasn't in the it wasn't a 3 a.m. start. Um, you know, e- even in 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 places you know you know like China or Japan, 13-hour difference. Um, let's be honest, it started at 6 a.m. That's a de- you know that's not. That's not 2 a.m., right? So you got your morning crowd who go watch that game. And then the next game is at 10 a.m. You know, okay, you, you know, your, your sports fans are really diehard. So don't think that Silver isn't thinking about a worldwide audience for this game as opposed to, well, that's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's really early for the West Coast fans. They're not worried about West Coast fans. They're worried about fans overseas and them getting a chance to watch the game live uh, without you know having to kind of set their snooze button at 3 a.m. Let's take it now over to the Celtics point of view here, and then we'll we'll get into the crux of what our conversation will be here today. So you know, without rehashing too much, Boston does not make it as we alluded to. You know, getting get, losing to Indiana in a a stellar performance by Tyrese Halliburton, no Porzingis in that game. KP has since come back, but just from what you've heard, ha- is there any lamenting that aspect from, from Boston's standpoint, you know, not being able to be there in that crowd, even after seeing it, seeing the rival Lakers be the first to do it and so forth and so forth. Anything that you can give us from that standpoint where Boston's like, damn, we really wish we, we could have got a donor if they just forgotten about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a level of moving on. I mean, they've already played a game. Obviously they beat the Knicks on Friday, uh, but they, I think there was a level especially from the players. I don't think Missoula is too much worried about it. I think he's locked in on trying to win a championship, but I think the players wanted to go to Vegas. They wanted to be on that showcase. They wanted to have the press conferences. They wanted to be one of the four NBA teams on in that spotlight. And I think they felt like they blew that game against Indiana. Now um, there was that game exposed some of the weaknesses the Celtics have, I believe. And it was a hot night from the Pacers. Um, I do think there's a level of regret, but there was also a level of, if you look at the, the box score, that Indiana game, Boston game, um, the, the it was not all Halliburton. He had 26 points. It's one below his season average. So not to say they kept him in check. It all depends on a lot of times, as you know, on when, when the points are scored, right? Sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think the players wanted that spotlight. You know, guys like Jason Tatum, he wants to, you know, he wants to be part of that. He wants to be yeah. in Vegas. He wants to be on the showcase. He wants to be considered one of the top players in, in, in the world on that showcase. He wants to be on all the, you know, inside shows, the ESPN show. He wants to be on live in, in the studio. Like That's what he wants. And a lot of guys are like that. Yeah. 
You know, Gary, so we'll we'll transition from the in-season tournament aspect here and, and touch on some of the things you even brought up, you know, as resulting from the Indiana game. So what we're going to do here now, we're going to do the Celtics interim report. A little bit like, you know, when you're back in school, it's report card time. We're about the quarter way through the season here. The Celtics have played 21 games. So, yeah, about a quarter of the way through here. And we're going to go through different aspects of the Celtics roster and, you know, the team itself. So we're going to talk about the starters. Talk about the bench that you just mentioned, coaching, and then uh, kind of a special category, kind of new additions, if you will, right? And what I, when we go through this, we'll kind of maybe talk about it from the aspect of what the what we think the grade is, maybe even respect of what we thought it should have been, you know, coming into the season, what maybe some of our impressions were going to be into that. But we don't want to be doom and gloom. Boston is still first in the Eastern Conference, uh, seventh in overall in offense this year, fourth in defense, first in net rating. Celtics are a very good rebounding team, third in rebounding. They don't foul a lot. Uh, third against, third in free throws, free throw attempts against. So there's a lot, a lot of positives for this Boston team here, right? And I think, you know, you understand that, but they're still like, all right. You may, they make you a little nervous because, like, they think there's more to still kind of extract. And no team is perfect, right? But while they've been very, very good, I wouldn't say that they've been even flawless like they don't i don't know if they strike fear in other teams right especially some of the matchups that they have this coming week which we'll get towards the end cleveland who played them very well last year in orlando who basically owns them right now so we'll talk about that at the end of the at, at the end of the show but positives there but let's go to the starters right so a couple of statistics for you know you love those stats right so if their starting lineup has played the fifth most minutes but only 12 games so that lineup of, of Derek, Drew, the Jays, and, and, and KP have only played 12 games of the 21 together so far this season. And the fact that they have an offensive rating of 125.6, but more importantly, a defensive rating of 98.1, that differential is massive. Those starters are exactly what you hope they would be. They are out there, you know, kicking ass and taking names on a regular basis. What would you give the grade of the starters in here in the first 21 games? And comparing it to what you thought it was going to be coming into the season. So far, I got to give it an A. You yeah. know, this just um, is the. I mean, I think Jason and Jalen have taken a step back in terms of not talent-wise at all, but just having to score as much, right? Because their averages are a, a, a bit down, but their numbers are up. The shooting numbers are fine. It's not that they're struggling. It's that. There's more versatility in the starting lineup, mm -hmm. so you have Port Porzingis got to get his shots, got to get it, got to get his shots, got to get he got to get his FGAs right. Um, so does Derek White now. Derek White has become a real factor in this offense, where shooting well from the three point line. He had five the other night against the Knicks. Um, uh, season high twenty eight points. A guy who's capable of scoring twenty. Drew Holiday has not had to score as much. He's not, his shots are down. He's not, but he had a very good bounce back offensive game against the Knicks. But I think it, it, it couldn't have worked out any better. You know, and as we we were all, we talked about before the season, Porzingis and his health, mm -hmm. right? Now he just missed a couple of ball games with the calf. I think that was a very, you know, precautious situation where it was like he probably, if during the, if it's the playoffs, he may, he might miss a game. But the Celtics are like, no big guy, sit down, relax, rest. You know, you're doing you, you've impressed us enough already with your durability. We're not gonna rush you out there. We don't need 
you know, the, we love the in-season tournament and we love to beat the Pacers, but we're not going to rush you out there on this. And then you re-aggravate and you're out for six weeks. So I thought it was a safe move and a good move for the franchise to give Porzingis time off. But now he's back. Um, he appears to be healthy. He's playing back-to-backs. Jalen Brown has had at times his ups and downs, but, you know, it's kind of trying to settle in. I think he's been the person that's been affected the most by the changes with with, uh, Porzingis. Now, uh, because remember, you know, last year with Marcus Smart, like Robert Williams didn't take a lot of shots. Al didn't take a lot of shots. Marcus could take a lot of shots. You don't want – you didn't want him to necessarily get get that 15 to 18 shot level. But he could, so shots were more shots were available for Jason and Jalen. And I said, so so Jalen one is blended very well with Porzingis, as we've seen the numbers show it. Yep. Um, and two, I think he's one the one who has had to make the biggest transition, and I think it's slow to come, but I think you see the progress. So I give it an A. Yeah, I, I would give it an A as well too. And I think even going into the season, what the expectation was, like, all right, you think it's going to be pretty good, but I was pretty optimistic. Obviously, the conversation there was some, you know, back and forth whether or not Porzingis, Derek White, Drew Holiday, which one? Well, not Porzingis, sorry, Horford, Derek White, or Drew Holiday. One of those three would come off the bench and end up being Al. Um, and I think Al has acquitted himself well in that role, um, especially getting some spot starts as well, too, as, as Derek's been out, Drew's been out, so forth and so forth. So the Celtics have been able to have some versatility, literally with that top six, which everybody was kind of lauding. So I agree 100%. It's been an A thus far and expected it to be an A. So it's great to see that it's been delivered. I think my earlier points for a couple of weeks ago forgot really just how how tall Porzingis is and just by virtue of that he becomes a lob threat not because he's high flying but he's just taller (laughs) than a lot of people so he's able to you know be be be, uh get vertical in a way that the Celtics I thought were really gonna miss with Rob being gone but that hasn't been the case and I think Porzingis has been pretty good on the defensive defensive side of the basketball as well too as we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, a couple, you know, game saving blocks and things of that nature or timely plays on the defensive side, which have been really, really great to see, especially considering his health. So now we both agree there. Something I'm sure we're going to agree on here now is the bench. So before we, uh, we shred it to parts because like, there's no, I think there's no, uh, you know, there's no spoilers there. It has not been good. What did you think it was going to be? Like, if you would have thought 20 games this, into the season, what would you have thought the grade was going to be going into the season? I thought we'd see a lot more O'Shea Brissett and Lamar Stevens. Um, we haven't. Um, it's become a basically seven-man thing or eight if you include Luke Cornett. You mm-hmm. know, they've really relied on Luke Cornett. I was a little surprised by that. But I thought it would be more depth where you may, might go at times 10 deep depending on matchups and maybe defensive situations where, hey, you need Brissett to come in there and, you know, hold a guy down. You know, you know, you, you need him to to neutralize or as much as you can, you know, Donovan Mitchell or neutralize, you know, a Franz Wagner or whatever. You know, you need, you need that guy to come in and play defense. Like I thought he would maybe mix and match a little more, but he has definitely got the, you, if you'd like to say the eight-man rotation and, I don't know, you know, Banton uh, has has kind of blended in a little bit as a ninth guy, but I was a little shocked that the guys that we believed, Stevens, a kind of a, a dog, you know, a guy's a tough guy, 
get your rebounds, hit an occasional three, not played. Brissett, you know, and I know he's off to a t- terribly slow start offensively, three for 17, I think, this season from the field, one for nine from three. Um, has not gotten – I think he's got 12 DNPs this year. Uh, you know, Shee McTullet, I thought another shooter – but I think Hauser's done so well, almost 44% from three. Maybe they feel like they don't need three. Maybe they feel like it's repetitive. Um, but I thought we would get more depth from the Celtics than we have. So I'm going to I'm gonna pin you in a corner because that's going to bleed into our next conversation, which is coaching, right? And coaching obviously impacts to some degree how good the bench can be just by utilization alone, right? But right. going back into the original part of it, so if you expected to see those guys but haven't seen those guys, would you? what would you give the bench? What did you think the bench was going to be in terms of a, a letter grade? So going into the season, you would say, hey, I think the, the Celtics bench is a B. Oh, be a B, a B minus, B, okay. B, B bench. You know, that and, one, there's, te- there's, deeper, there's much deeper teams sure. with, with more, more specialized players. But I thought this team would, would have a, a better bench. I thought it would be a B, B, okay. B minus, something like that, being there. And what would you yeah. give it to date? C, C minus. Like, I think Hauser and Horford have been the bright spots. Horford's yeah. adjusted to his role. He's still become, he's, I think he's 36% from three. So he's still a capable three point shooter. He's not shooting as much as he used to. He's doing the kind of the dirty work. Hauser I've had a little bit of a slow start to the season, but he's really bounced back. Uh, I think he's near 50% from three now. Maybe his last, last, maybe like, 13, 14 ball games. I think at first four, five, six games, he was struggling. Um, and we haven't talked about Pritchard. Pritchard uh, on the negative. Pritchard is a guy who, uh, and I meant going back, eight man rotation and not and nine if you include Cornette. Did, did, didn't want to forget Pritchard. Pritchard, his splits are just really of a concern, mm-hmm. um, Warren. Like, He's he's good at home. The home and away, yep. And he's poor away, and you can't have that. If those are what you could say, well, bench guys do play better. You, okay, you do you do see appreciation at home, improvement, better play from a lot of bench guys when they get in the home cooking. But you can't have Peyton shooting forty percent from three at home and twenty percent from three on the road. You can't have him having. I think 98 offensive rating at on the road and 147 at home. Like there can't be that drastic of splits. Like he's got to be more reliable on the road. And that's where I think maybe it comes into maybe using some other guys or seeing what some other guys have. Use your depth. I mean, everybody can't play. We all know that all 15 guys are not going to play, but I do think you have, I do think Missoula has some more options. So I'm going to give the bench a C or C minus not for Hauser's represent himself well. Um, so is Horford. Uh, Cornette has been up and down. You know, we have not seen enough of, to me, of Mimi Kita. Like, I just think that's a guy who just makes things happen when he's on the floor. You see that, Warren. Free, gets to the free throw line. Can score at the rim. Gets some block shots now. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of goaltending calls probably were ill-advised and, 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 and a little over-eager. But – I'm not sure why he's not playing more unless he doesn't know the plays or he's not used to the system. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm just speculating on that one 
Um, but there's got to, I think Missoula in, in spilling into our next one does probably need to t- take more time to look at the bench and figure out what he has. Uh, so the Celtics know what they need at trade deadline. Yeah. So we're, we're in a, a bit of a conundrum, I think in my, in my estimation, because to your point, I think the depth should have, should have been better. I would have, I was a little nervous about the bench coming in so i thought they probably was going to be a c now so not as as optimistic as you were going in i I was always concerned about it i feel like they performed at the level of of a d but then maybe that's being disrespectful to al and the way he's bringing the bench up to some degree but missoula's use of the bench plays a huge role into into how they performed and i think that 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 absolutely can't be ignored but to date they're 29th in scoring in the bench points which is probably the the most the biggest stats when people say, "Oh, what is your bench like?" Well, do they give you something offensively? Twenty nine, so they're not getting it that there. Uh, they're ninth in three point makes, fourth in in three point percentage off the bench, primarily Hauser and Al, right? So you know where that where that where those numbers are coming from. Um, fourth in rebounding, sorry, fourteenth in rebounding and fourth in offensive rebounding. So decent overall, pretty good offensive, but that's not necessarily leading to second chance points coming from the bench. So there's a little bit of a mixed bag and then last in points in the paint and last in fast break points. So their bench is not, there's just not a whole lot when it comes to scoring that, that that's coming there other than yeah. three point shooting. And when you're talking about the guys that you alluded to, especially when it comes to Brichette and, and Stevens per se, those are more defensive minded guys, guys who can get you steals, rebounds, hustle plays too, that may not always show up on, on the statistics. And those can turn around momentums of games as well. But if they're not getting the opportunity, that poses a bigger problem, you know, long-term. So let's transition that right into the coaching aspect and coaching. Now we're not going to lay it all at the feet of Missoula, because I think we we've had some conversation about the additions of, of Pressy, Charles Lee, Cassell, et cetera, what they even mean to the bench. Again, from your perspective, you're there, you see things, how they happen on a, on a day-to-day basis. What would you give? No, nope, we'll start from the beginning again. What did you think the coaching was going to be going into the season, letter grade? And then what has it actually been in your opinion to date? I say B's on both sides. I, I think Missoula's done a solid job. He's made some adjustments. He's, you know, uh, gotten help and aid and assistance from his assistant coaches. Um, you know, but I still think uh, there's a couple of things too much at times. Too many damn, too many damn threes, um, and not, <laughs> not good threes. I'm talking about just, you know, threes and not yeah. using enough of your assets when you have a Keita on the bench. You have an O'Shea percent. I don't think O'Shea presents one of those guys that's going to be able to come in at three minutes in a game and just, you know, get four rebounds and two points and all that. You got to let him play 15, 20 minutes. You got to let him get some of the mistakes out. You got to let him get break a sweat out there. And so I don't know if they're being very fair to him in terms of his playing time. And I know he's got the slow start shooting, but you got to assume that the, the law average is going to kick in here. And then also with Lamar Stevens, I think like, I think the starters have been fine. It's just to me the bench, his use of the bench, and like like you said, not getting a lot out of the bench. And I I'll, you know, 29th in bench scoring, but I think they're also 29th in bench field goal attempts. So mm-hmm. whoever the starter is on the floor is getting them is getting them FGAs yep. uh, with that bench, right? And I think Philadelphia's last. I think Philadelphia's last in um in bench scoring and last in bench attempts. So they, they got a partner there. Uh, with the Celtics in terms of just uh, maybe need to boost from the bench. Um, and, I, and I think the, the Celtics, in all honesty, if 
probably need another bucket getter. And if you don't I think agree. it's if you don't think it's fee, which I, I can't tell you he's not that guy. I mean, he can he, he he's we've seen Warren. He's not afraid yeah, to yeah. shoot. OK, he's not a, he's not afraid to get him up. OK, in this short time, he'll put some shots up. So do you give him more of a burn and more of a run, you know, and you hope that he can represent himself decently on on defense? Or do you just think, OK, he's not the guy because he's a repeat of Bowser? Like, I, I think he should get it also get a shot, too. But I, I think Missoula's done a solid job. I think, yeah, he's taken a step forward from last year. But I also think that there's, you know, some of the ways he looks at the game, like, you know, in our infamous kind of brush brush up we had in Philadelphia when I mentioned that Tyrese Maxey was burning them on the pick and roll, and he was like, "Well, he scored twenty five points, twenty seven points, and twenty five shots." What's it's Joe when he scores those points, right? Like you can like some of the games greats. Sometimes they wake up in the fourth quarter, and then that's when they get you. And it might be statistically, oh, well, you know, in you know Embiid or whoever Giannis or Tatum or. LeBron only scored 23 points, but yeah, he scored 16 in the fourth. Like that's a problem, right? (laughs) You know, like, yeah, you held him below a season average, but that one quarter he won the game because he was that good. And I just think that there's some things I think that he's going to need to experience more and probably adjust here and there and, and sometimes get away from those like, well, we held him to 1.2 points per possession. And it's like, whatever you're saying, and it's just like, Joe, but maybe in, in all in all honesty, that's good, but or we won three of the four quarters, but you lost the quarter, the, uh, the big one, 41-25. Right. So it doesn't, you know, you play three quarters of a good game. Like sometimes it's like we got to be a better third quarter team, and I don't know what's going on in them halftime uh, talks, but it's not working, and they got to be a better fourth quarter team too. And I'm not saying they're a bad fourth quarter team, but you need to win these games, lock these games down in the second half. To me, the Orlando, the Indiana game, they gave it up in the third quarter. The Orlando game, you know, which may would have given them a home quarterfinal oh, game, yeah. game that made a difference because if you're playing Indiana at home, probably a different game, right, Warren? I mean, you probably think like. The Pacers aren't going to play that well at TD Garden. They gave that up. They had a, a 12-point lead in the third quarter and literally allowed a 17-0 run. And it's just like those type of things, 17-0 runs, cannot happen. Either they have to be curtailed with lineup changes or during time or timeout, something. Like sometimes, Joe, you got to run out of timeouts. And I know, speaking of Joe, he really covets timeouts toward the end of games because it affects strategy, and I get it. But there's sometimes you just gotta be like, no, stop this now. If it it keeps going, stop this now again. Like, so (laughs) I'm I'll take the risk of of losing the timeout or or whatever, having one timeout when I need two, because if not, we we, I can save all my timeouts, but we're already we're down 15. It doesn't make a difference because we blew it in the third quarter. So I think there's little adjustments there that probably can be made. Will they be made, or will Joe stick to his convictions? We know Joe can be a stubborn guy, but he, he, I think overall he's done a, a good job. Um, and he, the, the whole system, I think, to get to that next level, because remember last year, Warren, they were 21 and five. So the, we've seen this before. We, you know, this 16 five is a good record. It's not the best record. Minnesota is the best record. And we go, we'll talk about the future. The next four games are 
two teams that have had very good success against the Celtics. Like Donovan Mitchell eats against the Celtics. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But there's some tweaks I think that can be made that can make the Celtics even a better team. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there too. Not to be, you know, lockstep here. Maybe that's not great podcasting, you know, that we're agreeing on everything. Um, but I think going into this season, I expected to probably take actually be a B plus, even from the aspect of Cassell and Charles Lee. I expected them to have a huge influence on this team. And while I think that is happening somewhat behind the scenes, I would agree where I'm not I'm not comfortable, fully comfortable with I think how the use of the bench is happening and the all the overall offensive strategy. Listen, last year. They were a bottom third team in two-point attempts, as we know, and a top three team in three-point attempts. The problem that I have with that is that they're second in two-point field goal percentage. So why would you not take more, especially now when you have more versatility in your offense with Porzingis there? So to me, that's a misstep to continue to be that low in two-point attempts. And I understand we all know the analytics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a way where they can fuse that to, to be a little bit better together. Like second in, in second in, in field goal percentage from twos, but third, 30th in attempts. Like I just, that that's clearly yeah, a decision. You, you <laughs> want to get to the middle of the pack at least one. You know, I, mean, yeah. I don't, yeah, you don't want to be number, you, you know, you're not going to, you're not the bucks. You're not one of these teams where you have one guy who dinner dunks everything. Right. You know, you, you know, but as I've said, um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are two of the best mid-range shooters in the league in terms of like Jason, that Kobe shot that he used to remember he used to miss in his early years, that yeah. that fadeaway where he's down there, you know, uh parallel, parallel to the ground, to yep. that goes in <laughs> a lot. And the same with Jalen. Jalen's got that step back jumper too. So you got two guys, your main two guys can hit twos. Okay. Um and and, and Porzingis is a guy who's a mid-range. Drew yeah. has that little post-up game with this little hook shot. You know, Derek uh, attacks the rim, is very good off the glass. I mean, he has mastered shooting off the glass, shooting shooting it hard where it hits the front of the rim and goes right in, right? Like, you know, that's a that's a, that, that's what takes a lot of practice. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, take advantage of the guys who can hit two shot, two-point shots. It, it would seem like it's a it's a no-brainer. It's right there at your disposal, and maybe he's waiting to bring that out of the bag later on down the season. So we'll see. Um, the final the final grade we'll we'll talk about here now is the overall new addition. So maybe maybe it's almost an incomplete because we, as we alluded to, we don't see a lot of some of the bench guys that are new when it comes to speed, Lamar, O'Shea, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but obviously, Drew and Porzingis have been really really good. Um, especially obviously when, when healthy. So just we'll, we'll touch on this briefly, your thoughts on the new additions, giving a grade, what you thought it was going to be and how it's actually planned out, played out. Yeah. Um, I'll give it i uh, I'll give it a B. I probably thought it'd be a B plus. I'm more impressed with Porzingis, his durability. Drew, I think has made some plays. I think he can be better. I think offensively he's not taking as many shots. He's his scoring averages down. There's, you know, the two missed free throws in Charlotte that, that could have, sealed the game that would have been an, you know that, that that was an L and mm. he it's even one of the two probably you know they had to hit a three to go to overtime and if it's he hits both game over um so there's been you know there's been a couple of things with, with, with holiday maybe offensively that I, that I think he could be better at and he history shows he will um but I'm gonna give it a B and I thought it'd be a B I'm very impressed with the, with those two gentlemen and their interests especially poor seeing because I just think everyone 
if you're around this team and, you, and observers, whatever, has to be pleased with the with the way he's played, his professionalism, his easygoingness, his hey, I'm on I'm on my third team now. Um, I'm 29. I'm not that kid. I'm not the franchise player anymore in terms, but I still got a great skill set, and I could still you know be a br- big time difference maker and try to win a championship. Um, I think him taking that mentality and just saying, listen, I just want to be one of the guys. Give me my, I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to take my 14 shots. I'm going to get to the line. I'm going to be a better rim protector than than I have in the past, which I think Mm -hmm. has been huge for this team, Warren. I don't know what you think, but just his numbers on defense, you know, that Indiana game, they probably win if he plays because, you know, I mean, the, the Pacers gashed the Celtics at the rim especially in the fourth quarter on layups and things like that. They're not doing that with Porzingis there with his wide ring span and seven, three height. So I'm going to give it a B, B plus, and, and I think it can get better. So, all right. Well, again, we'll be in lockstep to some degree here again. So I thought it was going to be a B and I, I'm going to give it a B plus and I'll give a quick synopsis of, of the, the reason why I thought it was going to be a B. I was concerned about the addition by subtraction, maybe in some, some aspects, if you will, I didn't know if those guys, Drew and KP specifically, could come in and fill the the locker room role, the the mental toughness role that Grant, Rob, and, and Marcus leave. You know, with 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 those things and how the team would respond in that. But the play on the court, I think for the most part, especially Porzingis, I think Porzingis has been a little bit better than Drew has, at least consistency wise. But Drew just being a guy be able to fit in um, and not really make a fuss, I think, has been been immense as well too, and not. Again, not trying to do too much one way or the other. So that's where those two guys specifically, and because they've gotten the lion's share of the opportunity to contribute, I'm going to give it a B plus because I think it's been a little bit better than I would expect it overall, considering what the Celtics lost going in. And I think there's a there is the capability for this to get even higher, maybe to an A minus or an A, if the rest of the bench guys get an opportunity to contribute and obviously contribute well. I was a fan of Svi coming into the, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say a fan, maybe that's a little bit strong, but I thought he's a, he's a guy who can play. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little surprised at the lack of minutes there in general. And not that I'm lobbying mm-hmm. for 30 minutes a night for Svi Mahilo. Like, that's not what we're saying here, but maybe there is the aspect of, is it duplicitous with Hauser who they're, they are obviously committed to giving him those minutes in that run. Um, Lamar, I agree with you, thought from a defensive standpoint was going to be somebody who was really going to help in. And O'Shea played really well in Indiana when he got run as well, too. So those are all things, too, that I think when it comes to new additions, there's room room for that to happen. But that bleeds back into the coaching. That bleeds back into the overall bench. But again, we've already talked about those points, so we'll, we'll move on. So B was what I thought it was going to be. I'm going to give it a B+. We'll close out the show here, G-Money. Four games ahead, two, as we alluded to, uh, in a really weary awkward scheduling situation the home 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 against uh two teams here uh but the Cavs in orlando have had something have had the boston celtics number here especially in the last couple of years what are you looking forward to in these games uh again we are staying away from predictions here on believe in celtics but just what are you looking to see happen here and i'm gonna skip the Cavs and go to the Atlanta. like to me They've got to stop this run like this because the run now is almost becoming dominant, but you know, from the Orlando side, uh, 
you got it. To me, I think you have to get both of those games, not even just something. I think you have to get both of those games and not necessarily even in convincing fashion, but you have to get two dubs against that Orlando team. You've got to stop that, turn off that water, in my opinion, because that team is way too comfortable, way too comfortable playing against against Boston at this point. But backing it up, you know, to what are you looking forward to head the four games ahead for the Celtics? Yeah. Well, interested to see the Cavs. They've not had, they've been a little bit up and down here. So I think you're 13 and nine. They haven't, you know, I think people thought that they would take a step forward by getting Max Struess, George's Nang. So they've been a bit up and down, um, lost a couple of games they probably should have won. But now I'm coming off a really impressive win at Miami, yep. although the Heat, you know, are just so shorthanded of late. Um, I'm interested to see, like, this how they defend Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, how that goes. Uh, and, 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 and Karis LeVert, I saw him drop 52 a couple years ago at Boston oh, yeah. as a member of the Nets. I think he had a four, and I think he dropped 40 last year along with Donovan. It, it's, over- it's those games, Gary, that always, like the Karis LeVert game, the, the, the quickly, I'm like, who? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're good. Some but of these guys on. just get them. Some of these guys are <laughs> Celtic killers, to be honest. Yeah. And LeVert is on that list. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how they approach them defensively, how they deal with the Twin Tower kind of thing, which are uh, Allen and Evan Mobley. Uh, and and I, I do think, honestly, Warren, Cleveland's a team you should beat if you're a, a quality club at home. I don't think Cleveland's a team. I think they're going to challenge you. I think they're yeah. they're going to they're going to one. They're coming off a of back to back. Like okay, they're playing Monday night, so they should be a little bit winded. So you should catch them at a good time. And then Thursday, you you, you try to get that one. Um, now the Orlando game back to back for the Celtics. Now they go through the same thing. Um, you're right, Warren. Time to cut this off. Time to punch first. Orlando has been interesting. They 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 lose again at the Nets. Like they they they, they were playing so well. Now they've kind of hit a, a little hiccup uh, here and there uh, with a couple of losses. But um, it's a team you need to beat. And they're not that good as, as the Celtics are making them. And when you have them down eight or nine points, build on that lead as opposed to letting them get back into the game and then get to the free throw line. And for heaven's sake, Warren, stop Mo Wagner. Like no more Mo Wagner hero game uh, in any of these two games. Close his mouth. Don't let him get 27 points in 25 minutes. Like put a focus on him. They should be mad after that game. In Orlando, yeah, they, that was a game they could have won. They were up twelve in the first half, twelve early in third quarter. Like that was a game. Good teams take control. You know, you, you don't win by thirty, but you don't lose that game by sixteen or seventeen points either. Like that, you, you don't allow seventeen nothing runs. So they should be mad. Now I don't know how much these guys remember and how you know every, every game's different. Here all the cliches. Hey. You know, but they should look back at that game and be like, these guys kicked your ass. Let's get these guys. Remember last year, Warren, they had Orlando home, I think early December, and mm-hmm. they lost both games. And that kind of started their 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 tailspin after that 21 and 5 start. And um they need to be better. And so I want to see quality play over the next week because after that. It don't get no easier. You head west, Golden State, Sack, and a back-to-back, then Clippers who are starting to pick it up, and then the Lakers. So that's eight games of very challenging basketball. The Celtics. We'll see what the Celtics are made of. You're 
six and two, five and three after that, I think that's good. You know, three and five, two and six, or something is a problem. So yeah. the Celtics are good enough to go six and two in this stretch. Yeah, well, I think it's a great place to wrap here. We'll we'll see how the Boston Celtics, you know, finish out this week specifically against two teams again who just like to play against them. Um, great challenges for for Drew Holiday and Derek White as you know, I think one of the better defensive backcourts in the NBA, especially trying to stop that 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 duo of Garland and, and Donovan Mitchell to start the week, and then obviously that Orlando Magic team who has just have so much vigor, you know, playing against them as well too. So hopefully Porzingis and company can maybe stop the Wagner brothers, <laughs> um, you know, from from going wild. Because yeah, I don't know, man, been a situation. Even Cole Anthony coming off the bench yeah. and just just feeling like yeah, he's 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 that guy, you know, Timberland boots and all. So, <laughs> so uh, that's it. That's what that'll do it here for Believe in Celtics, man. Make sure you follow Gary Washburn on on X at G Washburn Globe. Follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. We'll see how the Celtics do after this four game week. Thanks for tuning in to Believe in Celtics. We'll catch y'all next week. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.